And now, live from the studios of Freedom's Phoenix, Ernest Hancock. Believe me when I say we have a difficult time ahead of us. But if we are to be prepared for it, we must first shed our fear of it. I stand here without fear because I remember. I remember that I am here not because of the path that lies before me, but because of the path that lies behind me. I remember that for 100 years we have bought these machines. And after a century of war, I remember that which matters most. We are still here! Declare your independence. Amir Nastan, Cocker and Fisa Zona A, talking to James Corbett from Japan. Uh, Canadian lives in Japan, uh, talking a lot about Merca. Well, Merca's all over the place. One of the things that's come up, I want to make sure we get, because um, James Corbett is the man when it comes to sharing with people the truth about 9 11. Or, man, just some facts about 9 11. Can we get some facts? Let's do that. And uh, there has been a new study that's come out. And I want to get on the news coverage of it because it segues into a bunch of other stuff that's coming. James, welcome to the show, the CorbettReport.com. You guys go check it out. Um, what am I talking about? Your 9-11 piece on uh, what are we talking about? So yesterday, uh, my time, might be today your time, <laughs> whatever time, I released a Propaganda Watch, which is my weekly series where I look at different propaganda stories. And this week, I decided to concentrate on an interesting news story that is news. It's about a study that was commissioned a few years ago, but they've just released their draft report in the past 24 hours. Uh, it's a study that's conducted uh, by, uh, it's headed up by a, a researcher at the Institute of Northern Engineering at the University of Alaska Fairbanks, looking into the collapse, collapse, destruction of the 47-story World Trade Center <laughs> Building 7, which... I know your audience knows, but I know that mm -hmm. a lot of the American public does not know was the third building to fall on 9-11. And that's the point. Uh, most people don't even know that WTC7 existed, let alone that it fell on 9-11, let alone that there was anything suspicious about it. It's one. It's often seen as a smoking gun of 9-11. Because it wasn't in the 9-11 commission report. How would they know? It was. I think it was a footnote. I think they mentioned <laughs> it in a footnote, but... Yeah. No. Well, I mean, who cares, right? 47-story office tower. It would have been the largest office building in most of the cities in the United States. But just because it was right next to the Twin right. Towers, it, yeah, it's just a small building, right? No, it was a 47-story steel-framed office tower that completely collapsed into its own footprint at freefall gravitational acceleration on the afternoon of 9-11 after having not been hit by a plane. It was ordinary office fires that brought down. Yeah, but, but it had smoke. Yeah, exactly. It had smoke. It was it was badly damaged by the debris and the fires were raging all day and blah, blah, blah. And so that's the story. And that was the story that was ultimately concluded by NIST, the National Institute for Standards and Technology, whatever National it is. National Institute for uh, Science Technology or Standards and Technology or something like I that. I think it's standards. Um, that they did the official investigation. It took them seven years 
to do that investigation, which is weird because you had people on the day before it even collapsed saying, oh, that building's going to come down. How did they know what it took NIST seven years to conclude? Yeah. And let's not forget, we should not forget, A, they had advanced and then re withdrawn several possible preliminary ideas for how WTC7 collapsed, including the explosion in the fuel oil tankers, including a, a vast chunk of the building was scooped out by debris. That was... That was debunked. Uh, they talked about um, uh, various other hypotheses. They withdrew them all. Uh, they eventually went with it was fire that caused one of the uh, the girders to walk off its seat on column 18, which caused a complete collapse of the entire building simultaneously falling down gravitational acceleration into its own footprint. Well, newsflash, this new study shows what we should have all have known uh, and could probably see, but it shows that all, all of those uh, building columns, that were the structural columns, would have had to have been cut at the exact same time for the building to fall as it did, which could not happen due to ordinary office fires. Okay, a couple of things. I started doing radio in February of 03. Okay, that's uh, Scottsdale Station here. Started doing the morning show, and later I do the afternoon shows, different stations, and and 9-11 was always a thing. You know, they come up, well, what are you, I go, look. And one thing I wanted to add to your thing is Larry Silverstein, uh, the owner, he said they pulled it. They put it in it. So he goes, yeah, we just yeah. pulled it. I mean, he actually said I, it. I don't put stock in that quote. Well, um, I saw the video it. of him saying it. Yeah, I don't put stock in that. I don't think that means he was saying, yeah, and then we blew up the building. Oops, did I say that? Oh, can you cut it out of the documentary? No. Oh, oh, sorry. Okay. Well, so we'll what do you mean when he said they he wasn't saying we blew up the building? Uh, he, I, I have no doubt. If I mean, these were demolitions and Silverstein was involved in aware. I just don't think he admitted it on national news. I think that's a weak link. Well, what was the video I saw him saying it? He said, he said exactly as he said, we made the decision to pull the firefighters and we did, and the building came down. That's what he was trying to say, and he said it in a way that clearly sounded like we pulled the building. He wasn't saying that in a okay. recorded interview that was then played in a documentary on PBS later on, as if, oops, did I just ad admit that I blew up the building? Oh, 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 well, it's too late. We can't do anything about it. It's just wow, such maybe a, a Freudian we slip, have so man. much evidence on WTC7. That is not the evidence to use. Okay. Well, I, you know, it, it certainly stuck in my mind. And then, you know, well, you know, so what do you want to really know what's going on? You ask James Corbett. The, um, the, the one thing that I always did when people would bring this up is um, where'd all the molten metal came, come from? Yeah, but blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Where'd all the molten metal come from? That's all I'd ever say for years. They go on, blah, blah, blah. I go, yeah, yeah, it's all very, very interesting. Where'd all the molten metal come from? And I always, I learned this from uh, being an employer, whenever you, you had to, you know, being an employer of, you know, hundreds of employees in the restaurant business over the years or whatever, whenever you, you, you go to the, the wage and uh, board of whatever, and whether they get unemployment and all this kind of stuff, they want to know why you terminate. I go, one reason, because if you pick a bunch of different reasons, then they'll be able to kind of pick apart one or they're able to, uh, well, you, 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 this happened to this person. You didn't fire him for that. Or you know, why did you single out this one? You know, that kind of thing. So you always find one good, best thing and you stick to that because uh, they pointed a gun at me or they stole my money or whatever. I mean, what, I need another reason? You know, fired. Well, with 9-11, to me, it was the molten metal. And when you have them weeks after you're picking up just molten, dripping metal, I'm going, 
Where the hell did all the molten metal come from? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it's all very interesting. Where did all the molten metal come from? And then you had the columns that were like severed at an angle and so on. So there's way more than enough, just like with a lot of other news things. You're going, yeah, if we can find out this one thing, well, then we'll know. Well, of course, they don't want to talk about that. And it's all the other. It's just been stupid. Why has it taken so long for anyone to and even if, do the research? Of course, they also committed crimes in order that people would never be able to solve those questions by, for example, shipping all the steel out um, immediately and, and getting it shipped out to China, where it will never be seen again yeah. uh, immediately. That Why did they clear the crime scene like that? Because it's a crime scene that they were involved in, clearly. Which later they found other stuff, and we can go on and on and on about 9-11 again. But that's not what I really wanted to talk about. Yeah. It's what you brought up, which was... One, they never, Building 7, what's that? It's amazing, even still, people, even in New York, I mean, they have no idea what you're talking about. So Jordan Page did a song, Whatever Happened to Building 7? You know, I was like, good on you. So the thing is, is that when you made the point in your uh, uh, propaganda watch that um, it's just not worthy anybody even talking about, who are these people? Oh, you're talking to me? Um, yeah. So the point of that video that I, well, one of the points of that video, one video, one point is to draw people's attention to the study. The other point is to draw people's attention to the fact that no one is drawing your attention to Go that ahead. study. Because uh, the fundamental point of that video is the news media gets to define the news agenda. And they do so by saying, by implicitly, it's not even like they give people a list of talking points. No, they talk about this story. They do not talk about that story. And we all react to what we are seeing so that even in the independent media people will look at what cnn or whatever are talking about so that they can then debunk it or whatever but you're still following that news agenda you're still chasing their tail and they get to decide what we do and do not talk about and that's that's one of those things that you can't see you cannot see what you cannot see which is uh, the insidious part of it because we don't even realize often that we're just chasing the msm's tail you know, I, I've had a lot of experience with this, you know, in politics and so on. And um, uh, the fact that we would drive the agenda as candidates, libertarians, were out being, you know, buttheads here in Arizona. And they would go, well, well what do you think about, we think you think about, and you're bad because, and kind of, well, why you're talking about that? This is the real issue. To come. I don't care. We're going to talk about this, this, and this. And it had nothing to do with what they wanted to talk about. So they'd make fun of whatever it is that you want to talk about. And it was one of the quotes that you had in your documentary of Bush going, now let's not be distracted and put up with conspiracy theories, you know, and I'm going, wow, here it comes, you know. So I, I'm, I understand this. I'm just, I'm, what's the solution? And, 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 and I want to get into this, this agenda that they have that's starting to crack in my opinion so what do you think is the news media organizations and the dependency that they them those have on them to carry yeah. their water for them? It's yeah. kind of slipping away, don't you think? Well, I hope so. And at least we could push that further. And that's up to people like myself and yourself. We have a part to play in this by not simply going through, okay, so what's the news feed and let's post, oh, that's an interesting story. Let's post that story. That's an interesting story. Let's post that story. Because 
again, you're ultimately chasing the MSM's tail when you do that. You have to understand and follow your own interests. And not exclusively, of course, we have to engage with the news world as it exists, as it's presented to us. But we have to play a part in setting that news agenda. And that could be things like mm. keeping your eye on pieces of information like this study or other things that you think are important and you make into a news story. You say, I don't care if CNN is covering this or not. I, it doesn't matter. Here's a news story. That's one way of doing it. The other thing is to simply follow your interests and your inclinations and things that you see popping that maybe other people don't see and try to articulate that, which is what I do. And I, <laughs> I won't whine that I don't get enough credit for it. But for example, when I put out an episode a couple of years ago about Psychographics 101, talking about psychographics, what is this? This is this new arcane wizardry that the, the technocrats are using to try to determine your personality from you know what, what you click on and things like this. And I was talking about that in great detail in a podcast episode a couple of years ago. And I mentioned in that course of that podcast episode, this a company that no one had heard of, Cambridge Analytica, that, oh, by the way, they're bragging about having elected Trump and they're talking about Brexit and all this. And, and then it was six months after that episode was released, the big Cambridge Analytica story broke and everyone went, oh my God, who knew this existed? Well, Corporate Report listeners knew ex it existed because I saw this important thing and I didn't care whatever the mass school shooting or whatever was popping in the newsfeed that day. I said, no, I'm going to make an episode about this because I know this is important. And I put it on record, and then it becomes important when the news finally catches up. You know, up, I right? get that all the time. People go, oh, you should report this. How come you didn't report this? You got to report this. I go, where the hell were you three months ago? You know, <laughs> if you're a regular reader, I, we're all yeah. over. I, I'll show you. This, this is just the front page of Freedom's Phoenix right now. Safe, factory, mass-producible, truck-sized nuclear reactors. I'm like, Boom. I think I'll put that up, <laughs> which we've been following, you know, this kind of stuff, getting it yeah. down and down. Energy is going to change everything. You go to top on the left side of Freedom's Phoenix over here. It says top tech news right there. It is all the tech that people just have no idea what's yeah. coming. And I'm yeah. I, and it's let me say this to you on on air, Ernie. This is your strength because you know this stuff. You're following it. This is your passion <laughs> and your and what you're interested in. And if 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 Freedom's Phoenix becomes the place for me to like, if I if I'm looking for some energy, new energy idea or new transportation or something that's popping, oh, what's the latest tech? If I know Freedom's Phoenix is the place to go because Ernie has his eye on this. That's awesome. That's one less thing that I have to worry about in terms of juggling eighteen thousand news feeds. And to some extent, this is the I think the the real value of what we can do. I can only do what I'm. I can do. I, I'm interested in this. I see this. I can do this, but I can't do everything, which is why it always makes me uncomfortable when people say, you know, you're the one. I love your Yeah, no, 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 no. What you no, do. No, I'm only one. I'm only one. And you should have many people like You me. are one big giant thing, less thing I got to do. I, I That's what I look at. I'm going, there's James. There, I got a bunch of people that I count on for this kind of stuff. And I'm all of them. I'm just like, look, that's one big giant less thing I got to do. So, yeah. no, I, I understand. I don't expect you to do everything. I expect you. To, I tell you the biggest thing I expect from James, the truth. That's all I that's all I care about. Anything that you put your mind to, which is, oh, this is what it was. I wanted to give you a crap for. Okay, here we go. You go to Corbett's site. And here it is, something I really was hoping a James Corbett would sink his teeth into, meet the plunge protection team, and it's an article. It's not a video. I need a big flushed out video. What the hell are you doing here, man? 
Oh, 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 you have to read with your eyeballs. I'm sorry. Um, it's funny, actually, because no matter what format I put anything out on, I always get someone going, why is this? Why is this an article? Why is it in a video? Or if it's a video, why Why can't you just make it an article? <laughs> no, I, I bet you they're complaining anyway, more about I, it's not a video. I guarantee you that. <laughs> I, I aim to be all things to all people. So eventually that will find its way into a, a video and a podcast episode. So it'll be in all forms. But at the time being, I'm writing an article. Okay, I give me give me the quickie. Okay, the plunge protect. Okay, this is what uh, it, it came to our. You kind of heard plunge protection team in the 2008 election cycle. There was one debate where the presidential candidates got to ask any other presidential candidate a question. Well, here's Ron Paul, and he goes, "I think I'll ask this question of John McCain." Well, Mr. McCain, as president, what would you do on the president's council on the blah, blah, blah? He's talking about the plunge protection team. I had no idea what he was talking about, but we just knew he was he was, he was was setting them up, okay? Well, of course, John McCain's blah, 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 You know, he didn't know what the hell he was talking about. So uh, my senior editor, Pal Gamel, we weren't together. He was at home watching it, and we were emailing back and forth, and I go, whatever the hell he just said, he just nailed McCain. We need to find out what the hell's going on. So Powell wrote an article. He went and looked at it as the plunge protection team. And he was talking about how they manip manipulate the economy and all this kind of stuff. If you go and you'll see it's a it's going to be Monday one day. And over this Labor Day weekend, all of a sudden the stock market was taking a dump. Everybody's taking a dump on the dump of the dump. And then it's going to be Monday, which fortunately the markets was closed, Labor Day. And then it'll be Tuesday. And we're going to have a big giant run on there. Oh, my God. Well, the plunge protection team comes in and does whatever the hell they do. Well, what do I see? James Corbett's telling me all about it. And it was like an article with links and you had to go work and stuff. So skip to the end and tell the audience what we need to know. Well, let me skip to the beginning. So this uh, really started in 1988 with an executive order signed off on by Reagan, creating something called the Working Group on Financial Markets. And it's explicit authorization, if you bother to go click the link and read the executive order, it's not that long. Uh, it's explicit mandate was to go out and collect information from, from industry, from banking, from finance, whatever, uh, collect information about what just happened in that big stock market crash of 87, and how can, you know, what can we do about it and how can we mitigate that? Um, that was its explicit mandate at the time. So it consisted of four people. It was the uh, the Treasury Secretary, who was also going to be the chair, or his appointee was going to be the chair, uh, the, uh, the Fed uh, Board of Governors chair, the Securities and Exchange Commission chair, and the chair of the C Commodity Futures Trade. Oh, my Commission. God. Those like, they wouldn't manipulate the crap out of anything. Oh no, they're they're above board. They would never do that. So that was that was its explicit mandate. That was its grouping. It was it was designed to go report back to the president. But that was 1988. It kind of kept around. And so by 97, uh, the Washington Post wrote an article in which they dubbed it the Plunge Protection Team. That's where this this moniker comes from. It was from a Washington Post article in 97 which is a weird article. They, they kind of talk a little bit about it and they, they mention that this group exists and that they meet and that they war game out various scenarios and what would they do, but they don't get into much specifics. They, they let us know that the, each of these, the SEC and the CFTC and the Fed and the Treasury all have their own contingency plans. Like if this happens, this is what we should do. And they let us know, for example, the SEC one is called the Red Book because its cover is red, but it doesn't give any details about. So what are they going to do to ensure that markets maintain uh, operational functions during these crises? Uh, you know, that's just kind of the part they leave out. So 
it, it was left to people um, to sort out various clues, like a 1989 uh, Wall Street Journal op-ed that was written by Robert Heller, who was then the outgoing ch uh, chair of the Fed. And he wrote an article called Half Have Fed Support Stock Market Too, in which he suggested, wouldn't it be a great idea if in times of crisis, the Federal Reserve could be used to, say, buy up stock indices to make sure that the market. Oh, an crash. entire indice? Well, yeah. Well, it, you, exactly. you mean like all of them in the index? You're investing in futures. You're not. In, you're not buying stocks outright. That would be monetization. Oh, and okay. That would be a bad thing. All no, right. you're buying futures. You're all buying right. into the index. It's you're not manipulating any particular company or stock. You know, it's all above board. Anyway, is, is it into derivatives? Are they getting as far as derivatives? The, exactly. Well, I mean, which is the indexes? So derivatives so, of an index. Exactly. And, that and, and is, that's exactly what wow. the BOJ is doing right now, for example, right? I mean, that is that is what the Bank of Japan is openly doing. Trillions of yen uh, being pumped into the, the Nikkei index. So they don't own any, well, they do own some stock, but they don't own much of any particular company. They own the market, you know, generally speaking. So, uh, um, uh, so, so this was proposed in 89 in this op-ed piece. It's just, oh, wouldn't it be nice if we could do this? But there were people, um, this one reporter, John, uh, Cred Cred John Crudell, who um, picked up on that. And he's been reporting on it ever since that time for decades now. He's been reporting on this. And he thinks, you know what? This probably wasn't like a wish list. Oh, oh if only we could do this. It was probably saying, this is what we are doing. And so he's been operating on that assumption for decades now. And he's written a lot of articles, including some that I point to here. Well, there's a couple of things I point to in this article, and please go read the article. Uh, don't be lazy like Ernie. Everyone out there, please read it. Um, <laughs> I read it, but I mean, there's like a lot of links and hyper tech. Oh my God, do a video. <laughs> yeah, it's the funny thing. Funny thing is I, I spend a good deal of time in my week on this newsletter, and I put I there's dozens and dozens of links in all of these. It's, it's really some of my best research. And then I get comments from people. I think James just, you know, throws these away. They're just, they're, 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 they're just designed to get people. Well, that's also part of your, I mean, the, the complete, uh, it was, is your subscription list or something too, right? Right. I mean, this, it's this, a subscriber this, newsletter. Okay. But it is available for free. There is a link to the free version because okay. I don't keep anything behind a paywall. Um, anyway, uh, so in September 2001, what happened? Oh yeah, 9-11, which of course was going to, utterly bottomed out the markets, completely gut them. Who would want to buy in the wake of 9-11? No one, right? No one in their right mind. So on September 17th, 2001, Good Morning America hosted George Stephanopoulos, who we're all familiar with, of course, um, who was reporting on the plunge protection team that was going to come in. And with uh, he says, so this is his direct quote. The Federal Reserve, big major banks represented in New York Stock Exchanges and other exchanges, they've been meeting informally so far, and they have kind of an informal agreement among major banks to come in and start to buy stock if there appears to be a problem. And then he goes on and talks, basically, that's exactly what they're going to be doing in the wake of this crisis. They're admitting it on TV 18 years ago. But the funny thing is, they still, the, the, the economic media still reports the stock market and moves up and down as if it means anything. We know this is a manipulated market. They admit it on TV and then they still report on this as if it's real. It's phony, 100%. And there's more interesting examples from the Trump era. Um, Sorry, Dr. Frank. Uh, uh, Monday, February 5th, 2018, uh, there was a nightmare scenario on the New York Stock Exchange where 
Um, there was a 666-point decline, make of that what you will, the previous Friday. Uh, the Dow was down a further 1,600 points on that particular Monday. And then, in the afternoon, someone arbitrarily and aggressively started buying stocks and halved the loss. So it was down 1,600, then it was down 800. Um, and what, what could have possibly happened? Oh, that's right. The plunge protection team, which had been called in just, uh, just before And uses that. what funds? I mean, where does this come from? Who's doing it? You know, that's, that's the billion-dollar question. I'm not sure it's even a meaningful question because at this point, as people who follow my work know, FASB 56 was passed last October, which literally allows any agency of the government to put any nonsense into their books in order to cook them, in order to hide anything in the name of national security. So all, I mean, we've already known they cook the books. It's now literally the yeah. law of the land right. that they cook the books and right. we don't trust anything. Predictions. I, I, I gotta make a prediction. This is what, I can see what's happening. All of this is done primarily, in my opinion, to protect pensions because your 401k, IRAs, all of these unions, municipal employees, I mean, the entire future of the entire country is in the stock market. And if you have stock, if you got a retirement plan, if you got, if you're going to social security, everything, I mean, whatever the heck you think you got there, it's gone. Okay. And the plunge protection team is there to keep the civil war from happening that be a breaking out the next day when the plunge happens and everybody's pension is gone. In 08 and 09, they had the ability to kind of before it hit 12 and every all the baby boomers really started the peak of them retiring, they kind of saved it right before then and, 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 and now it's going to go. And when it goes this time, I don't think they're going to be able to hold back the tsunami. This is going to be huge because we have spent tens of trillions if not hundreds of trillions in liabilities and you know uh, uh, entitlements and all. i mean it's just it's never going to get there has to be a massive reset and those of you that have been counting on the united states government america to take care of you you're looking in the wrong place what's your prediction well i think you're right to locate the uh, the real crisis point at the um, uh, the evaporation of the mirage of the pension funds, yeah. which we know are not going to be able to support all the paper promises that they've made. Um, but the question is, when will that piper come calling? And, you know, can we support the, uh, the boomer generation until they're in the grave and then it'll all fall apart? Uh, and if not, yeah, you are going to be at that revolution point. But that may be the point. Um, we always say, you know, of course, they're going to do anything they can to paper it over and kick the can down the road until they until don't. Until they can't. Until they can't or until they don't. And, and they're, I mean, again, these are not stupid people. There are many things, but they're not stupid. And they realize there is that point. And that's why they have been carefully crafting the grid in order to create the next, 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 next world order, which is going to be, hey, let's take Mark Carney's word for it. They're going to have some sort of new reserve currency. It may be some kind of Libra-like Facebook phony cryptocurrency. Um, that will be given to the masses that will control and and be the digital currency that will control every aspect of everyone's lives and problems That's what's coming. They know this is coming. You get to undermine the American empire, which is a key part of bringing in the new world order. You can't get the new without getting rid of the old. They they know. America is going in the dustbin of history, and it's that's where they are aiming it. Okay, this guy you said, what's his name? Carney? 
Right. Mark Carney. Mark Carney was he was a, a bank head banker, central banker guy in Canada. Now That's he's right. in uh, uh, England, England yeah. and I'm going. I guess they're interchangeable with the Commonwealth of. I guess he had like English citizenship somehow or something. But anyway, yeah, yeah he was whatever. Canadian. He, moved he did. He did what he was told, so he can do what he was told in the United Kingdom now. So he's here at Jackson Hole, which is. Um, I don't know how it, you know it's a central banker party every year or something. I, I anyway, Jackson. I didn't know this was a, an official central banker thing. You know they do their eyes wide shut parties or something. I have no idea what they do. So here comes a, a guy that was head of the uh, central bank in Canada, now in England in Wyoming, and he's ca- talking to central bankers here, and he's going, he goes, um, uh, yeah. We're going to have a crypto digital currency, whatever the heck, uh, maybe something like Libra, and we're going to turn it on and off, and and you better get your China score up there, or you're not going to get access to your money or guns. You know, so, I mean, this is really happening right in front of us. And I'm wondering if we're upset enough, or we just kind of like, let them, you know, screw them, man. When it gets that bad, the people will tolerate until it's intolerable, and then they go, I don't think so. Well, what, yeah, what is our role in all of this? And again, I, I, we are not dealing with stupid people. We are dealing with people who know how history works and that there is the revolutionary moment and the off with their heads and the crowds get angry and they torch the Bastille and they cut off the heads of the king and queen. And then they institute another tyranny, essentially, under Robespierre, right? So that's how these things often can be directed. And that is, I think that's probably what they're going to do. There's, there will be some sort of sacrificial Common. lamb that will be led to the slaughter at the appointed time. But will we fall for that? Will we be accepting of, okay, and now here's the new system and everyone can be safe again. And that only works if they can put us in danger. And they can put us in danger because we're all on this debt slave treadmill created by these phony paper promises printed out of thin air by the banksters owed back at interest to the banksters themselves because we all accept that and we all go along with it to the extent that we find alternatives, that we foster and support community currencies and cryptocurrencies and alternative currencies and and barter and lets and all of that, to the extent that we are already building that up as the infrastructure that will keep us safe when they collapse the phony baloney system, then we're immune. But mm, I don't know about you, how many people in your area do you think will be a part of that community uh, system that will survive? Not that many in my area. You know, um, because we came up, a lot of the people here in Arizona uh, kind of, you know, I don't know if we're preppers or any of that. So we just realists. I mean, we understood what was coming. So, I mean, you know, and the Mormon community is heavy here. My sister and this whole side of my mother's family, Mormon. So they got years worth of food. They got land. They know, I mean, they, they've been planning for this for, God done told them, you know, plan for this for a long time. So I'm... Um, I'm not as concerned. Like, I know it's going to get bad. I think we will survive it. But that's the real goal is just surviving, maybe even thriving. But to think you're going to stop it or change it or alter yeah. its course, yeah, no. you're not. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm just saying. The one thing I wanted to get into for we run out of uh, time, uh, what I'm showing the audience here is Dave Chappelle's Rotten Tomatoes stand-up reviews are in. And they're exactly what you'd expect. Now, Rotten Tomatoes does an evaluation, and they waited till they got like 7,160 7, uh, audience scores because they wanted to compare it with um, Captain Marvel. Now, 
And Captain Marvel, the tomato meter, the critics gave it an 81% and the audience 35 because they're kind of this, you know, woke thing, social justice, whatever the heck. I, I didn't really enjoy it. It they really it, it could have been a good movie, but it did just really try and emphasize. I feel like I'm being programmed all the time, you know. Now, on the uh, Dave Chappelle, it was a 99% audience score. I didn't even know you could get that. And a 38 on the critics. Now, this was... We knew sooner or later somebody was going to do this. Somebody, a prominent comedian, was going to come out and go, Are you freaking kidding me? You know, and just call BS on everything. And I tell you how it started off. It started off, you know, with jokes about how uh, young boys going to school on Monday would, you know, be all proud and telling their friends how they had sex with Michael Jackson. And it went down from there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I mean, it was it was really all the stuff that hasn't been done over the last years just built up. Nobody's making a joke about this, man. Dave Chappelle did it and called out the audience and said, "You all suck. I am so sick of all." So what happened? The people. This is all part of all of this. This media, this control, this 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 psychological, social, and economic engineering that they're doing on us. And there's going to be breakout. I don't know. This is the beginning of something. What do you think it might be? Uh, I don't know if this is the beginning, but it certainly does capture something in the zeitgeist, doesn't it? Um, let me say this as a fan of Chappelle. I, I really think and have thought for a long time that he's probably one of the best stand-up comics that are out there right now. And I, I've been a fan for a very long time since the Chappelle show. Uh, so I, I, I kind of already... I mean, this doesn't seem like new, new news to me because I, I know his last special or a couple of specials ago, whenever it was, he did some uh, bit on transsexuals and, and gay people and stuff in the black community or something along those lines. And there was a big outrage. At the yeah, time. made his life hell. <laughs> yeah. But the question is, you know, how is he going to react to that? Is he going to walk back? No, he's not going to walk back. And I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have expected that. I mean, this is the guy who went crazy when he was offered the 50 million dollars for the third episode the third season of uh, Chappelle show and uh, f fled to Africa and where did where did he go what happened and he disappeared for a decade well what I mean, was that, that about I know it was something he didn't really wanted to I don't know do all the same black thing they do to everybody you got to dress up as a girl or some BS or he just called yeah. BS on the whole thing but what you, I imagine what, there were a lot of things going on it was a number of things including uh, that including the pressure of having a 50 million dollar contract including the things that you're expected to do including also just being uh, as he talked about uh, the the Chappelle show was a lot about racial politics and racial humor. And, and then he had, he had a certain point, he was had this existential crisis where am I, am I satirizing this or am I playing into it? Am I actually making this worse or what's happening here? Yeah, they just and went, look stopped. what we can get our monkey to do for $50 million. Woohoo! And finally right. someone stood up to him and said, screw all y'all, you know, yeah. Good and, on uh, you know, Dave. honestly, yeah, good, good for, good on him, good on someone for standing up and saying no to the fifty million dollars. How many people are going to turn that down? Not many, not many. But he yeah, did he for whatever enough. reason. He had a test, and he, he came good. back, and yeah, in the last few years, and he's uh, still, uh, yeah, he's still killing it. So, yeah, this is. I mean, it's an interesting moment in, insofar as he's clearly standing up and and not saying it. But as the, actually I did see, so I saw the YouTube highlights that they put on YouTube because um, I don't have Netflix and, and they did that one with his impressions and he does the impression right. 
uh, you know, oh, I, I, oh, yeah, I kind of like you, but I know that if you do something wrong tomorrow or to, uh, to, uh, next month or 15 years from now, I'm going to hate you forever in the rest of your life. Who and do you think I'm life? making an impression of? And somebody in the audience says, Trump. And he goes, no, you, yeah, this is what you sound like to me. You're the worst audience in all history. That and the crowd great. erupts. Yes, we are. Or they are. And, or something. And again, obviously that's, that's picking up on something in the cultural zeitgeist that you're not allowed to say, which is exactly what comedy is about. It's picking up things that are out there that we're all supposed <laughs> to ignore. The comedians are, at best, can be the ones that point us directly and, and shove our faces. Well, they, they targeted the comedians. They went after them. They're, oh, man, they'd hammer yeah. on, you're not allowed, and you can't, and this Kevin Hart thing, you know, which I hope he's okay. Kevin Hart got in a car wreck, hurt his back or whatever. Anyway, it seems like you know, he's not dead or paralyzed, but, you know, he's we don't know how bad his injuries are. But Kevin Hart um, was scheduled to do the Oscars. And some gay, um, oh, yeah, my son you know, playing with a dollhouse, I'd bash it or something like that. I mean, and they just went after him instead of, you know, doing the apology tour, which he eventually wound up doing anyway, one version of it. But um, he goes, no, I'm not doing the Oscars then. Screw you. You know, and they, I don't think they have one. So all of these shows, the Oscars, Emmys, Golden Globes, they're tanking in ratings. Nobody's watching them anymore. And, and, you know, thank goodness. I don't know what's going to replace them. There's another thing that uh, kind of along the same lines that came out. There's a, a meteorologist, uh, a, a, a climate professor in Canada that I've met and I've had him on the show a few times. His name's Tim Ball. And I met him at a Geoward Griffin event here in Phoenix that we were helping promote and uh, had him on the show. And he and another young man, those were the two that really stood out for me and what they were doing. The other guy was doing, we're all our own weather station connected on a roof and we can see any and everything and it feeds in, we know everything and what they're spraying and all kind of one time, boom. And I go, I like this guy, this is good. That was interesting. Then uh, Tim Ball, there was a gentleman that uh, did the climbing warming and I got the science and hockey stick and, you know, and pick me and I get a bunch of support and, you know, and green fees and hookers and whatever the hell you get when you do what the climate guys say. So he went after Tim Ball, after Tim Ball, this professor goes, you're a lion sack of crap, you suck, and show me your data, and you ain't got it, and you never got it, and you suck. So he sues him, um, a sue, this gentleman sues Tim Ball for defamation of character or whatever, which is pretty easy to do in Canada. I mean, you, you, you say somebody, tell them they got acne or something, you're going to jail. But the point was, the court decision just came out, and Tim Ball won. And this guy's got to pay all his legal fees on climate change. And the reason was is because he wouldn't reveal his data. He's going, because there wasn't any. He couldn't have. They go, well, and then what do I get from the trolls on Freedom's Phoenix? They come in. They say, they, they reference the article. I mean, they got their own little formula. And they go in here, well, you need to look at this raw story thing or common cause or whatever, where they say he didn't really lose. He actually won because, you know, I'm like, what the hell? I mean, come on, you, you can't give them a little prop? I mean, just one? I mean, a little? And then I send them the interview that I did with them. I go, counter any of this stuff. So that's starting to break also, you think? I mean, this climate thing? 
I've thought that for a decade, but it continues to roll along. Uh, yeah, yeah, Dr. Timball, I've talked to him many times. I should have him on, actually, about his, uh, his win, which is what it was. Oh, he's and been. that's not it's the kind of, like, the court has decided that climate change is a fraud kind of win, but it is, it is a win, nonetheless, because he did not... He is not being uh, uh, sent to jail for his slanderous comment. The actual money quote was, uh, yeah, Michael Mann may be at Penn State, but he should be in the state pen or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was it. That, um, was, it. that was it. You know, which is a funny line, but apparently not if you're Michael Mann. Well, uh, well, guess what? He's just uh, lost that suit because, as you say, he wouldn't produce his work. My dog ate my homework. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's taxpayer funded. Um, now, yeah, the, there's the whole hockey shtick nonsense and Hockey all shtick. the stuff that it's a shtick it's stupid and and it was proven you know you could know feed garbage data <laughs> you could feed total garbage data into this uh hockey stick generator that michael mann has created and it will create a hockey stick so hey here's a sign that maybe this isn't the the scientific tool you want to be relying on anyway there's a whole history about that entire books have been written about that but the long story short is yeah he's not producing his work and that's that's one of the fundamental points we keep coming back to with the climate gators. Of it only sources. takes one person, one video, one research, one article, one something that, you know, just based in truth that just has legs. I remember, God, it was a global warming hoax thing or something done by the BBC. You know, the BBC did this thing that was just really slammed uh, on them. I think it was Channel 4. Uh, you were talking what about does that even mean? It's channel 2, Channel 4, Channel... It's BBC. What's the freaking difference? No. There's BBC, BBC 2, BBC 3, but this is not that. It's called Channel 4. It's a separate private entity. It's not BBC. Oh, really? But, yeah. But it is a British broadcasting network. It's just... It's a private one, not a... BBC. Really? And they're allowed to, like, do anything? Yeah, more so than the BBC, yeah, because the Great Global Warming Swindle would never be on the BBC, I guarantee you. That. Oh, that shocked the crap out of me. I thought it yeah. said BBC thing on it or something. I'm somewhere. pretty sure. I have to double check, but I'm almost certain. I'm pretty sure it says BBC the Great... Let's just check that real quick, because that is well, interesting. It might say Channel that on 4. YouTube as uh, the clickbait okay. title. Great Global... I, people have posted uh, How Big Oil Conquered the World up as History Channel Documentary. How Big Oil Conquered the World. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. Okay, whatever. Whatever gets people to click. I don't mind. Okay. Let me pull this up. I just The other thing I wanted to go on, how much time we got, before we uh, finish, is um, Hong Kong and Brexit. Now, which one do you want to you know, you know, say two cents about? Uh, I could say about two sentences about either, because uh, I haven't prepared to talk about either of them. You know, I've been following, you know, Luke Radowski uh, went there and uh, right. we have him on regularly and he yeah. got out of the airport and he just did like an hour and a half of, all right, I'm turning on my phone and we're live broadcasting. Let's see what's up. And the biggest thing that he'd seen is that they're very clean. They're very organized of all the other, you know, protests he's been to. It's freaking, you know, a mess everywhere. And he goes, they're very clean. They're very polite. They leave open, you know, for people that's going in and out. They don't block anybody's travel. They're not trying to be, you know, cause a controversy just for the hell of it. And they're there and they're not going away. And the big thing is um, they're being infiltrated by the police. They're causing whatever vandalism and then blaming them for it. And so when they're consciously making an effort not to do that. And um, they're, I, I don't know what they're thinking. It looks like. 
the um, leadership in Hong Kong has decided to pull the extradition treaty, think this week. I mean, you know, they can change it any time. But uh, what China wants is to be able to just, any dissident goes to Hong Kong, Kowloon there, they just, they just take them. Yeah. They can extradite them. And they're going, no, 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 this is home base. And we're separate. And one China, two systems, whatever, we're separate. China's going, nope, nope, you're not allowed to complain, you know. And they're complaining by the millions. This is amazing. And, yeah. uh, and I've been watching these things, and I'm just, I don't think China, are they going back down at all? I mean, in the well, bottom here's, line? Here's the story as I understand it. So these protests were originally about that extradition treaty, as you say. But um, Carrie Lam, who I guess is the, I forget, the, the director of the Hong Kong Council, whatever it's called, supreme leader, um, shelved it basically said we're not we're, we're withdrawing it we're not tabling that legislation now we're not going to go go forward with that but um would not say it's scrapped forever it's just we're withdrawing it anyway that was the point the kind of limbo the political limbo that that reached but the protests continue and then so what's the aim now is it to get carrie lamb to step down well actually she recently admitted um into a private group of companies but i guess audio or video have leaked out where she said I, I, I wish I could resign, but I can't, you know, kind of like Beijing is in charge now and I'm not, I'm not going to be able to step down. Yeah. Would that get her in trouble with, um, China? I mean, is she appointed by China? Uh, technically not right. Technically this is an internal Hong Kong process, but clearly China has a lot of strings that they are pulling and can, and, and have, have some ability to, to, I mean, I don't know what the, the constitutional legal limits are in this transitionary period. By 20, I think it's 2047, Hong Kong will be fully part of China. But right now it's in this special autonomous region that has certain rights that they can, in China isn't supposed to do this or that. But we know that a lot of the Hong Kong politicians are in bed with a lot of the Chinese politicians and who's influenced by what and who can do what legally and what's done under the table. Yeah, no, it was like uh, Hong Kong when they took over, they appoint the leader. There's no voting or anything. You, there's you, some kind yeah there is you, some kind of democratic process well it's by approval it's like the queen lays hands on the prime minister well, or something. one of the things that happened a couple of years ago there was a couple of the like umbrella protest kind of people who got yeah. elected to the hong kong council and they wouldn't take the oath that they were supposed to take when they swore in they, they instead of saying you know to china or whatever they said to the garbage can or whatever they were insulting china uh, in some way that made sense in chinese and uh, and so they they weren't going to be allowed to sit in the council or there was something about that. Anyway, there is some democratic element to. Yeah, no, that's what these big and, and the thing that the tech that came out of the umbrella revolution was mesh networking, that they shut down the Internet and they just used their phone connections to each other. And it was called um, Open Garden at one time. Then it was fire chat and then it was and i remember the developer was a russian guy i interviewed back when they were doing you know open garden but it just sucks all the data time off of your phone but now that you have unlimited data well then it doesn't matter now you know now it's just your phone is the node so that's how they're able to communicate and do this stuff and show, so what are we learning you know, we're learning, yeah, they come up with something, well, the people come up with something else. I, I looked this up, because I remember I saw it. What I'm showing the audience is, it, at the beginning, at 32 seconds, it has climate change, Britain under threat, BBC One. 
what they were doing is referencing something BBC One right. did, and then, right, but it was right. in the beginning, so I thought it was a BBC thing. Right, right, right. You know? Right, right, right. So that's yep. why I thought that. Okay, so Channel 4 is not the Crown Television, but they still got to have a license and permission to broadcast. And I bet you they got, do they, are they susceptible to the, what do they call it, the section something blue red order of you're not allowed to publish um, some stories the Queen can say stop or right, censored? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, any media in Britain would be subject to that, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yay, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> okay, the other thing was um, uh, Brexit. Now, Brexit, uh, here we got Boris Johnson. He gets in. He's like, yeah, we're going to do this. And the Queen says he's, she's going to go speak. So that means Parliament's out of session. They're not going to be able to do anything. And then they right. go, aha, we can do it. More drama. And now I'm like, you know. Every time you think you got something, there might be some interesting they're going to do. They keep kicking the can down the road. Now, by the end of sometime in October, there's going to be whether they're going to uh, hard Brexit or not. Do you think Brexit ever going to happen or do you care? I mean, I care in the general sense that clearly if we are on the side of uh, autonomy and freedom and localization, then we should be against entities like the EU, which are anathema to the spirit of freedom, which we can all see. Uh, not that the British government is any better, but at least it's not the EU, right? That's the, that's, but that's not a great argument because that's the kind of argument that leads you towards nationalism and, hey, let's all rally around this fl color flag instead of that color flag. No, I don't want to rally around a flag, thanks. But, uh, yeah. but, you know, I mean, it is interesting to watch and it could be valuable at least in the sense that it will wake up a, a larger proportion of the population to the fact that you are not in control of this po political puppet theater that's placed in front of you. And, hey, look, we got to vote to leave the EU. Oh, we can't leave the EU? Okay, well, I guess our vote means nothing. Yes, ding, ding, <laughs> ding, your vote means nothing. So if it if You're it correct, sir. <laughs> that would be valuable. But yeah, now I'm reading Parliament has rejected Boris Johnson's call for new elections. I thought they were prorogued or something. I don't know. I'm not following the day-to-day -day of Brexit. Um, I'll believe it when I see it, essentially, which is essentially what I said at the time. I think it's great that at least enough of the UK population realize that the EU is not a good thing and is encroaching too much into what uh, the average ordinary Britain should be doing in their day-to-day -day lives. But is this, is this political process going to gain people their freedom? At the end of the day, I think we both know the answer to that. You know, that's I, 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 we're 50 minutes into it. And I thought we'd never get through all this stuff in an hour, but we did, you know? Is there anything else you want to make sure you get on? Get on no, uh, I've got so much to do today. I'm sweating like a monkey. i got to get some water. I, I, yeah, I, no, I'll let you go because, I, you know, I, I appreciate you taking this much time. I got everything I wanted, and I got the, I got the complain. Video on Pledge Protection Team, damn it, you know? That's just because, You'll get it damn. eventually. You'll get it eventually. I know, I know. Well, when are you going to have your... Um, or, or is that it that you're working on? What's your secret issue? When's it coming out? We'll find out very soon. Very soon? Very soon. Very, like, before the end of the weekend, I got something to look forward to? Boom! You heard it here first. <laughs> what he's not telling me he's going to talk about. Okay. So <laughs> we'll see that then. We're always glad to have James there. And a bunch of other stuff. We're making big strides on IPFS, FYI. We got, uh, but there's so much stuff going on that, but you're busy and you got to do that. And we'll, and we got a lot more to report to you next week because we're working on it big right now. The Corbett right. Report. James Corbett. Thank you very much, James. 
Thank you. Take care. Peace.